Hello, and welcome to the Safety 2023 podcast, presented by IOSH and recorded live at the 23rd World Congress on Safety and Health at Work in Sydney, Australia. In this series, we'll give you exclusive access to interviews with experts from around the globe to cover some of the biggest challenges and trends in occupational health and safety. Hello, I'm Kelly Williams, and you are tuning in to the Safety 2023 podcast presented by IOSH. We're here at the 23rd World Congress on Safety and Health at Work in Sydney, Australia, taking in all the sights and sounds as we draw close to the end of day two. Taking the chair in this swish podcast booth set in the centre of all the action at the Congress, we have our wonderful next guest. She is the Head of Health at the Minerals Council South Africa and an advisor to women in mining South Africa. Tatula Balfour, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, Kelly. So Tatula, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? I've been working for quite some time now. In fact, I would say I'm nearing the end of my career as a worker. Um, I've worked in various, you know, areas. I'm a medical doctor by you know, profession, mm-hmm. training, and I also did public health medicine as a specialty. I've worked in a hospital. I worked in a local municipality. I have worked at the Department of Health um, doing very wonderful work, international SADC, coordination of the SADC countries on health and, you know, got to travel, which I loved a lot. And I also learned a lot, you know, about, you know, other countries. So, and I think it's always good. Everyone should experience other countries, you know, so that you are able to learn from them. So I then spent about four years in the Development Bank of Southern Africa as a health analyst And for the past 15 years now, I've been with the Minerals Council as the head of health and uh, I'm I'm still enjoying it. Good, good. So how did you get into the mining sector? I was headhunted. And, you know, as much as I've described all these jobs, I only looked for one job. All my jobs, I was headhunted. And the one job I looked for was one of my worst jobs. Ah, interesting. So actually, I believe that, you know, if you are headhunted, you really need to take that seriously because someone has looked at your capabilities and your your skills and they've also looked at a company and matched you. So that's how I got into mining. I was headhunted and uh, it's been, like I say, a beautiful journey. That's great to hear. So obviously you've got a very strong health background. Yeah. But where do you fit into the health and safety scene? I actually fit in very well, (laughs) especially in South Africa, because I did a diploma in occupational health. Right. Which is a requirement in mining. If you are to work as a doctor in mining, it's in legislation. Mm -hmm. You need to have a diploma in occupational health. Of course, they do have doctors who maybe look at flu, people with flu and that. Yeah. But if you are in occupational health, you need the qualification. So I had that qualification, which meant then I'm technically qualified and fit in the industry. But I think additional to that, my public health, you know, training mm. was even more crucial and good for the work which was required. Because when I arrived there in 2008, the biggest thing was TB. 
And right. in mining, TB is an occupational disease. Yes, in South Africa, at that time, there was still TB being driven by HIV. Mm-hmm. It does continue to be like that, but in mining, we do not differentiate. It's an occupational disease because that is the history that is there. Yeah. And so it was at a, you know, at a time where I could apply my public health around prevention because, uh, and in fact, even the rest of occupational health is about prevention. How do you prevent, you know, disease? And so my public health training came in very handy. And I think it assisted me in executing and delivering actual results because mm-hmm. I didn't come in, you know, with the, the usual doctor is more focused on treating yeah. disease yeah. that's current. But my approach is always, how do you prevent this? How do you make sure there is no disease? So I, I actually fitted in very well, if I may say so myself. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah. at the Minerals Council, you work largely as a worker advocacy and support body for people yeah. employed in South African mining. What are some of the major health and safety challenges the workers that you represent face? Okay. The, the Minerals Council is like a chamber of mines. So it's actually representing the business so it's the our members are the companies, the mining companies which have got the employees. Right. And in fact, we we work well in mining in that we work as a tripartite. Mm-hmm. So policies, performance, everything about health and safety. It's through our Mine Health and Safety Council, which is a tripartite institution with organized business, organized labor, and the state. In fact, all of us. The motto is let every mine worker go home safe and healthy every day. So some of the major health challenges when I came in, especially were TB, as I Mm. said. If you looked at our statistics, the majority of the disease was the TB. Mm -hmm. And the part which drives it as an occupational disease is silica dust exposure, especially in the gold mines, Mm -hmm. but also to some extent in coal mines. The next one was noise-induced hearing loss due to, you know, exposure to high noise levels. And then, of course, the outcomes of, you know, a dust exposure, which is silicosis Fast, yeah. and yeah. coal workers' pneumoconiosis. Although the coal mm. workers' pneumoconiosis, the numbers are not that great, but the numbers for silicosis, you know, they, they, they were not great and they are still, you know, not great even now um i mean even now we have maybe about 200 cases a year diagnosed people who are diagnosed with silicosis so those are the main you know uh, diseases and of course now we are shifting more into you know uh, mental health coming through especially after covid Mm -hmm. Um, mental health really now has come through as a major um, concern and of course mental health has as a problem has always been there absolutely but most of us were not appreciating the depth and nature of how mental health can impact and then lastly we also now have you know diseases of lifestyle diabetes yeah uh, hypertension obesity so are those occupational health diseases are they similar in other countries or are they relatively unique to South Africa? 
They are similar, but unique. There are not many countries that have TB as an occupational disease. Mm-hmm. But, you know, gold mining in South Africa is very old. It's, you know, since the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And so very early in the 1900s, people realized that there is a problem with people that are working in gold mines. They were having, um, you know, silicosis. They were having TB. And so those were declared compensatable diseases very early. So that is the slight difference. So especially with the rest of the African countries, you'll find that they haven't yet, there's very few countries that have classified TB as an occupational disease. Generally, our minds have got narrower rifts. Now, what that means is in Australia and other countries, you've got a deposit of gold, let's say, or platinum, which is a big deposit. Mm. And you can actually very easily mechanize and you just dig it out mechanically and you don't use people. Right. Ours, this gold is running in narrow rifts through rock and the need for manual extraction is far more. Mm. And of course, once you introduce people, then the challenges start because... Ideally, you should mine mechanically because when there are people, something will go wrong. Absolutely. You know, people are not machines. No, they're not robots. I, I can come in today and it's a really bad day for many reasons, mm-hmm. you know, my social circumstances, my family circumstances, and I'm a bit distracted and I have an accident. So that is a problem with our mining, that the, the rifts are different and they need, you know, more labor yeah. than in other countries, which can then very easily mechanize and the human factor is not there. So you've been in the mining industry for more than 15 years and no doubt you've seen a lot of change in that time. Can you paint us a picture of what occupational safety and health in South African mining looked like when you first started? I think I'll start with the safety. Um, You know, safety, they measure fatalities and injuries. I always say they've got very easy matrices, you know. Yeah, much more (laughs) than health, yeah. So at that time, in 2008, we had recorded about 172 fatalities. And... Let me give you the context Mm. in terms of numbers because Mm -hmm. some people want to know, okay, that's out of a million, it's out of absolutely, you know, 200. The number of employees we have has been fluctuating between about 450,000 to 512. Right. So depending on the economic cycle, when it's good times, I think 512 was the maximum that Mm -hmm. we hit in that period. And then there was a, a, a downturn where we went up to about 450,000. Mm-hmm. But so on average, really, you're talking about 500,000 yeah, yeah. employees. Did you say 172 fatalities in one year? Yes, 172. Wow. So that is the what we have been working at. So now in 2022, we had the lowest number at 49. Wow. So I'm trying to show you 172 mm. versus 49. I was going to say a third, but it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. much more. Yeah. My colleagues actually, you know, we, on a daily basis, we know how many fatalities there are. And beginning of this week, we were on 42. So we have not been happy because 
um, you know, 49 and 42. Too close. The gap. Mm. And so I'm just showing you the way we with safety. And then the next thing I will look at is hygiene, which is yeah. the exposures. And that's why we should focus when you are talking about health outcomes. You focus on what are the exposures. And hygiene, you know, is the measurement of what are the exposures. And I will use our milestones as an industry, what we did, you know, uh, from about 2003, actually, was to set targets. For 10 years, we had the 20, 2003 targets. Mm -hmm. We re re reviewed them in 2013, and we had now the 2014 to 2024, next year, targets. Right. So right now, we have got targets, for instance, where we said for silica dust, you must have 5%, only 5% of your samples must be beyond you know, the exposure the limit. limit. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's half. We have the occupational exposure limit, which in South Africa is 0.1. Mm -hmm. So we said all your 5%, not more than 5% of those silica exposures must be beyond 0 0.05. So we've got a measure for that. Yeah. And in 2016, uh, 2008, sorry, 15 years ago, mm. we were on about, you know, 16%. Wow. So the aim is five. Mm. By next year, it must not be more than 5%. We were on 16. And now in 2022, 2022, we're now about 6.5. Oh, wow. So it's come down so considerably. It's come down considerably. Mm. And we think, you know, it's, it's doable. What is great about milestones is that I guess we do work with engineers yeah, you know, they are not into fluffy things. They, no. they oh, and, target and, 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 and CEOs, it. CEOs want facts, targets, achievements. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and yeah. I think it's the best thing we have done for ourselves to set those targets mm. because you do find that over time, people strive yeah to reach those targets. Yeah, so for silica dust, we've done well. For coal dust, uh, it was about 15%. We are now on 8%. So slightly we won't reach the five, but mm. you know, that's half. That's amazing. We've halved, yeah. yes. So yeah. we, it, it, it does mean that the exposures are markedly down. Mm -hmm. So if you then look at the outcomes, you know, the diseases, and of course, some diseases take a long time to manifest. Yeah. I mean, silicosis, it can take 20 years. So the silicosis you diagnose now, the person was actually exposed, maybe bad exposures 15, 20 years mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's look at what we have. Uh, you know, total diseases over those 15 years, they've gone down by 78%. Wow. And uh, a lot of it is silicosis, which has, you know, it, it's more than 80% decline. And um, the TB also went down by more than 80%. Uh, I did actually didn't tell you that, you know, we actually had a minister, Minister Mzualedi, he was Minister of Health at the time. And uh, he said, TB is like a snake. And the mining industry is the head of the snake oh. in South Africa. And it's spreading to be in the rest of the region. And yes, we are called a snake, but actually I think it did work because mm. it really lit a fire under us too. Yes, we were doing something about TB, but we had to redouble our efforts. Yeah. And we also had a target actually for TB, 
in our milestones where we said, okay, for TB, let's be below, at or below the South African average. Mm. And I tell you, well ahead, not even next year, by 2017, we went in below the South African you know, t- average for TB incidence. And now we are sitting at about half the South African incidence rate. So it's, it's, so for TB, we've gone down. Uh, for noise and use hearing loss, it is still our concern because mm. over the 15 years, it only went down by 55%. So we actually now have far more work to do mm. in with noise induced hearing loss. And I, I think the main thing though is you need to measure and you need to monitor. And if you do that, you can actually see where you are going and where you need to put in your efforts. For instance, we were TB, 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 and we did a lot of work and it worked. Yeah. So it's a proven concept. Yes. Yeah. But it that measuring and monitoring has now shown us that this noise-induced hearing loss, we are not making progress. And mm-hmm. actually what we have identified is we were focusing a lot on the very high exposures so our, you know, the, the reporting by the regulator is such that there's 105 decibels and above, and then there's exposures to 85 decibels, 205, and yeah. then exposures below. What they do is you, you have to report on the percentage or number of employees exposed to noise levels of beyond 105. Yeah. And those between 105 and 85, and then 85 and below. Yeah. Now, the normal occupational exposure limit for noise is about 85. Okay. So, I think all of us in the industry, what we didn't focus on was this group between 105 and 85. Which were probably the most affected. Which has got, yeah. you see, the focus was 105 yeah. and everyone was trying to do something mm. there. But if you look at this group here in between, over time, you can see that we have not been, you know, it's been about, at about 60% of employees are exposed at that level. Yeah. And there has not been enough decline in that middle tire, you know. Yeah. So... I think, again, one is saying you need to have data Mm. because with that data, then you'll be able to say, okay, that's where the problem is. We need to now focus there. And that's where now as an industry we're going to be focusing on to make sure that we shift as many people as possible to the below 85. Yeah. 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 Another area of work that you're quite prominent in is the empowerment of women working in mining. What's the state of play for women in mining right now? And what are some of the big challenges they face? Well, I have to start with the fact that, you know, in South Africa, before 1994, women were not allowed to go underground. Unlike, you know, Germany, Russia, all these other countries, they were allowed. And then in 2010, there was the mining charter who said, you must have 10% of your employees must be women. Right. We are now on 15%. Now, that's where sometimes targets actually uh, can, I would say, not work so well. Okay. If you've got some people that are compliance-driven, then they will get to 10%. Okay, I've got my 10% tick. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. They don't look at women constitute 50% and more in my country, 52%. Mm -hmm. 
So why are you stopping now? You know, and maybe it talks to some leaders, you know, don't have a progressive approach. They've got a, a compliance approach. Yeah. So if I've got 10% tick, whereas the leader who is looking at diversity and inclusion and is sold on the idea that the more diverse the workplace is, then actually, you know, it's been shown, research has shown that those companies too do better. Yeah. Uh, you know, return on investment is better if you have a diverse population which includes women. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a, a leader who is transformed, if I can put it like that, then they will not be stopping at the 10%. They will just make sure that there's as many women as possible. They have opportunities similar to any man, you know. So I think that's what our Women in Mining program is about. It's, you know, companies have had their women in mining programs, but we just wanted to have one because, as I have said, we coordinate and we promote and we act on behalf of our members. We felt that if we've got an industry level women in mining, you know, initiative, then it will make sure that those that are lagging behind, you know, they also rise and uh, we all learn from each other and then we will move quicker because it's it's a principle we've applied even to health and safety where when we report you know we 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 are open about this company how it's doing and we actually have formal exchange of information and uh, leading practices so that any company can learn from the other and it's not a question of each person must create their wheel you know we come together one says, this is how we've done it. And you learn from there and you apply everything and then you move faster, you know, in that mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. So there is still more that can be done. I mean, 15%. Don't stop there. In. No, no, it's not no, enough. no. It's not enough. <laughs> You're obviously very passionate about supporting female leaders. What drives this and who inspires you? We had uh, this one um, presenter called Eusebius Marquesa and... Uh, I describe myself according to what he said, which is an egalitarian liberal. So for me, I've always had a very much we're all equal mm -hmm. approach in anything. And so why should women, you know, not be included? They have as much potential as anyone else. And in fact, when it comes to leadership in mining, we've got a lot of women leaders now you know and i they are inspiration yeah for many women yeah. who can see that they you know because for anything if you are a marginalized group you need role models and you see that oh actually you know i can also be a ceo so there's nothing preventing mm -hmm. me so the people then women will you know um aspire especially in be. historically such a male dominated yes. industry yeah, yeah 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 so i would say that's what drives me you mm. know the fact that i've always been an advocate that women are just as good as yeah. as anyone who would i say inspires me you know i've been thinking that when it comes to leadership maybe one of the first female um, leaders i met was uh, Dr. Snowy Koza. She was at the, at the DBSA. That's where I saw how if you have a vision to be a leader, there are certain things you do. And a simple one I'll, I'll tell you about is 
when you met Dr. Koza, within five minutes, you would know that, you know, she would say, I worked at the presidency. And when I was at the presidency, I developed this and that, whatever. A lot of women, we are not used to using I, I, you know, that yeah, we see yeah. it as egotistic mm -hmm. and uh, no, 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 you know, yes, I did this, but you know, it was with other people. And so we, we, no, mm. Dr. Koza would go, I, so in a way, you know, you could see she's going somewhere and mm. actually she did become a CEO. So I think for me, it was just a lesson on, you know, there's a, a small things you can pick up from women leaders. And I think that's what we should all do. You look at all those small things that they do, which have got them to where yeah. they are. And if you are very serious about, I want to be a leader, then, mm. you know, you can just uh, use those and you will get somewhere. I'm going to be very mindful of that going forward. So that's a <laughs> yes. good tip. That's a very good tip. Yeah. So you're speaking at the World Congress as part of the Harm Prevention in the Mining Sector Symposium. Mining continues to be one of the most hazardous industries worldwide. The symposium is sure to be a heavy discussion. What do you expect the conversation to focus on? We'll be focusing on, you know, the diversity of mining. You know, like I said, you can have labor-intensive versus mechanized, which therefore means there's a, a different profile in terms of your health and safety. Um, we've got formal, we've got informal, especially in the African continent. There's a lot of artisanal mining. Mm -hmm. And um, some governments, they are taking time to even recognize that there's, you know, artisanal mining and they need to le legitimize it and put it into law and regulate it. And so it just continues on its own unregulated, which is not good for the employees because it has to be regulated so that then health and safety are also, you know, uh, being monitored by the regulator. So we're looking at how, you know, the risks differ and how we manage all of these risks, you know, in these different settings. And um, we've got a, a whole lot of people who are from, you know, very different backgrounds. Mm. And so we'll be highlighting the main message being how do we, make sure mining, uh, you know, is less harmful. Yeah. Even from all of these different, you know, situations that I have described. Tatula, thank you so much for sharing your time and insights with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the booth. Mm. From everyone here at IOSH and the 23rd World Congress on Safety and Health at Work, Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to sharing more conversations from the world of Osh with you very soon.